0: Mending broken relationships. Mending broken relationships. It's what we're going to talk about today as we're continuing our series on the family. Lots of broken relationships. How many of you have ever done stupid and foolish things in your relationship? Let me see your hand. Okay. Now, for those of you who did not raise your hand. Either you're a liar or you just haven't done foolish and stupid things yet. Your time is coming. I, I want to share with you, unfortunately, a very foolish thing that I did. Vicki and I got married in 1977. Well... Um, Whenever somebody gets married, you're both selfish. That's true. We're only thinking about our own needs. And it's kind of like self-preservation. You're just thinking about your needs and then you get married and all of a sudden you've got to think about somebody else's needs. So that's not real easy. We're going to be talking about that today. But early on. I decided I'd had this desire to go elk hunting in Colorado all my life. And so my great desire was to shoot a great big bull elk in Colorado. And so I got an opportunity that October, first year we got married. So I just said, sweetheart, I have great news for you. We are going to go elk hunting in Colorado. Another couple uh, was going to go with us. Uh, that He had a little experience with Colorado, and so we were going to go there. We had very little money, so we were just going to camp out in a tent. I didn't think anything about that. I thought that was a great idea. That was exciting. That was adventure. And so the plan was to drive up to the top of a mountain about 10,000 feet and camp out up there in a tent and spend 10 days in a tent. And I was so excited about this opportunity. This was going to be a trip of a lifetime. And I had a little Ford Courier four-cylinder thing that just could barely make the mountains in Colorado. We got there. We made it up the mountain. Uh, The other guy had a vehicle. We had a a vehicle and we made it up there and it was fine at the bottom of the mountain. But by the time we got to 10,000 feet where the campground was, it was snowing. So we had to set up our tent in the snow. And so my wife is very cool toward me. That's the only way I can explain it. And i don't really understand that i'm excited great it's snowing man we'll be able to shoot a big bull we'll track him and the i think this is great well we hunted all day from early in the morning for sunlight to after sunlight at night me and this other guy charles we would leave the campsite hike up the mountain and hunt all day and leave Vicki and this other lady at the campsite at the tent. Ten days. And every morning would wake up there would be ice at the bottom of the tent. We couldn't get the fire going uh, because it was so cold. And we had a lot of challenges because we didn't really have a lot of money and I was not as prepared as we should have been. So I noticed As the week progressed, my wife got less and less friendly and happy. And I'm thinking, she's being picky. I I don't know why she doesn't think this is a great adventure. And it was years later. Now, I just want to tell you, for the guys who are wondering, we did not even see an elk didn't see a cow, didn't see a bull, nothing. It was years later that my wife confessed that she was praying that I would not get anything. (laughs) And finally I said, sweetheart, why in the world were you doing that? She said, because if you killed a big bull elk, you'd want to drag me up here every year thinking this is wonderful. So there is no way I'm letting you, I'm going to pray for you not to see a thing. And I didn't see a thing. And we've never been back. It worked. But I'm here to tell you that was the most selfish thing that I could have possibly done. I cannot even believe that I was so thoughtless, foolish, and selfish. And I say that because I was really only thinking about my needs, what I wanted. And I, I really had not picked up on the marriage aspect of thinking about her needs. And marriage and every relationship is about learning about the other person's needs. And so I, as I even wrote about this, I wrote out the story again just to remind myself. And after I finished writing that, I went to my wife and I apologized again for about the hundredth time. I said, sweetheart, please forgive me for taking you up on that crazy trip. And I just want to say to you that God has a better way. Relationships are supposed to be a joy. But they are not a joy if you only think about yourself you're selfish minded, self-centered, focusing only on what you need, you are going to have a miserable life. And God's plan is for you to have a wonderful marriage, a joy. And our marriage today is a joy. And I want to help each one of you today. I want you to see the principles of God's word that teaches us how you can mend any broken relationship. And this is why it applies to marriages, but it applies to every relationship. You may have a broken relationship between the parents and your children. You may have a broken relationship with a good friend, maybe your boss. Whatever it is, God can mend broken relationships. But you have to look at God's Word see his principles, and then begin to implement those principles. So if we're going to look at mending broken relationships and how we do that, the very first thing we want to talk about, and that is begin looking out for other people's interest. Say that with me, would you? Begin looking out for other people's interest. Now, admittedly, this is not something we do naturally. We don't just wake up one morning and we start thinking this way. This is something God has to work into us. So I'm going to read to you a passage, really a key passage, from the book of Philippians. We're going to go from verse 1 to verse 8. And we'll be taking and breaking this down uh, as we look at it. But I want to get at the whole picture first. Let's go from verse 1 all the way down to verse 8. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose." Verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests. That's what we're talking about. But take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up. His divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And we want to focus in on that verse 4. Thinking about the interest of the other person. Don't look out. Only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And you know, one of the keys to this is you have to teach yourself by the help of the Holy Spirit, you have to teach yourself how to get in tune with other people's needs. You see, naturally, we just focus on our needs. What is I want? What do I need? What do I like? So that's the natural way. That's the old flesh working. So you've got to turn that with the help of the Lord. You've got to learn to focus in on what, and if this other person, whether it's your husband, your wife, whoever the person is, you want to mend this relationship, you've got to start thinking. And, and from my perspective, One of the best ways to begin to tune in to is to learn how to listen. Now, men, we need help listening. Because we tend to listen in order to respond, but what we have to do is we've got to learn to listen to learn. It's a difference. We listen to learn what? what the needs of that other person is. And you literally have to train yourself. Train your ears. What are they really saying? Let's just suppose, let's say you're watching your favorite football game, okay? And you've just finished dinner that your wife fixed. And now she's in the kitchen cleaning up of the meal she just fixed that you just enjoyed. Now, you're in there watching your football game, having a great time because that's what you want to do. And she says, sweetheart, would you please take out the trash? Now, for you guys that have been married just a few years, I want you to understand something. If you think she's interested in the trash, you are wrong. (laughs) Trash is not the issue. So let me interpret what she means when she says, sweetheart, would you please take out the trash? What she means is, I fixed this meal. You ate this meal. Now I'm in here cleaning up this meal. You're in there sitting on your call it, watching that football game. I would like a little attention. I would like a little help here. And I need you to get yourself in here and be a part of my life. I need you to get involved in my life. And don't snuff me out like this because I want to know that I'm more important than that football game. Now, ladies, didn't I pretty well give you best interpretation? Now, I know some of you men are thinking, okay... Why didn't she say that? I have no earthly idea. I have no idea. All I know is that that's not built into their system. They speak in code. And so our job is to learn this secret code. And if you develop ears to listen to what they're saying and when they say it and the way they say it. Now, you could be clueless and you could be foolish and think she just is interested in the trash going out. And if you think that, then your response is going to be sure right at football game. I'll be glad to, honey, because foolishly you think it's all about the trash. But it's not. So, guess what? Your wife needs to be more important than your football game or anything else. And this is the beginning of learning how to mend broken relationships. Because, believe it or not, over a long period of time, you take two people and they only think about their needs, they want what they want, they focus on their needs then that relationship begins to crumble it begins to struggle because you've got two people that just focus on themselves and it takes thinking and acting and being concerned and learning to listen learning to develop ears that are here that you hear more than what they're saying And this applies to men, too, not just the ladies. I know I tease the ladies about this, but sometimes, men, we don't express what we mean either. Sometimes we have needs and and we have a hard time expressing that and, and we're just as guilty. And so we both have to learn how to find out what their needs are. It's amazing what you might learn just by sitting down and saying, what are some of the needs that you have that I'm not meeting? Help me. Help me on that. What are some needs that I'm not taking care of, that I'm not being aware of? And you might get an answer. And you can learn. So we have a a, a country of broken relationships. We do. And primarily because people only think of themselves. And you've got to make a decision. I, I want to think about what honors God. And that brings us up to the second part. And we see it in the same passage. Not only do you have to look out to the interest of the other person. You've got to change your thinking. So the second thing, you have to begin thinking differently you know how we all think we all think we know the best That's the way it is we think our way is best we think the way we do things is best we think our perspective is the best way that's just the way we are and when we learn to have a relationship with jesus christ he teaches us that our way is not always necessarily the best way And sometimes you may have a great way of doing things and your way may be a great idea, but guess what? Someone else may have just as good of an idea. And so you've got to learn to think differently. You've got to learn to see things differently that sometimes, I guess the best way to say this is our perspective on a situation may not be The best, and and we may not, we may be reading something wrong. I never will forget reading a story about a woman who, she was in an airport. She happened to be alone. Her husband was not with her. She was flying home. And she was in the airport. And she went to one of the little kiosks. She got some coffee and got a bag of cookies. And she made her way over to her chair to sit down and wait for the airline to get there. And a man sat one chair over. The chair in between them. And there was the bag of cookies in between them. And so she reached down, got a cookie, drank her coffee and was eating a cookie. And he reached down and got a cookie. She looked at him like, who do you think you are? And that continued. Every time she would eat a cookie, he would eat a cookie. Until finally, there's only one cookie left. And the whole time, she's just verbally, not verbally, but she's mentally, she's just, you know, I'm saying this guy's a real jerk. What's he think he's doing eating my cookies? And finally, he reaches down and grabs the last cookie, looks at her, breaks it in half, and gives her half. She thought, what what nerve? Who is this guy? And so in a huff, she, she doesn't want to make a scene. She doesn't want to cause a problem. And she decides to leave the whole thing alone. Her plane is called. She gets in the airplane, sits down at her seat, opens her bag, and there is her box of cookies. (laughs) The cookies they ate were his cookies, not her cookies. He was sharing with her. And she couldn't remedy or apologize to him. But as I read that story, I thought, you know, that's the way life is so many times. Our perspective, we think we know. We think we're right. When in reality, it may not be the way it seems. That person that cuts you off in traffic that you get so angry at, give grace and mercy there may be things going on in that person's life that you have no way of knowing. Just extend mercy. Because if we're going to live life as a Christian that exemplifies and honors Him in our relationships and if we're going to have relationships that are healthy, our thinking has to change. You cannot Think selfishly. Look, if you would, to verse 3 of that same passage. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. The first time you read that, you think, how in the world can I do that? How can you do that? How can you think of somebody else better than you? You can do it if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. If you have the power of the Holy Spirit and your interest is not impressing others or in meeting your needs. If your interests are to honor the Lord your God, then you can love people. And you can think of them better than yourself. You know, so many times one person in a relationship wants to make a change. Let's say, okay, you're, you're both selfish. You're both thinking about your own needs and you're struggling. Guaranteed, you'll struggle. You'll fight. You'll argue. There'll be frustration. There'll be tension. But let's just suppose one person decides, I'm going to start living according to the Word of God. I'm going to start honoring the Lord, and I'm going to be different. I'm going to change my perspective, and I'm going to think differently, and I'm going to start... Being a blessing to them, even when they're not being a blessing to me, you know, that is actually a scriptural thing. You can see it in the book of Romans chapter 12. It goes from 17 to 21. It basically describes this attitude. Let's look at it in 17 Romans 12 says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Different, never take revenge. Leave the righteous anger of God. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And then verse 20, instead, here's our attitude. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So let's translate that into a relationship. You decide to start being nice and kind and gentle when they're being selfish. Now, you might want to say, hold it, wouldn't it be ideal if both people made the decision to be nice and kind and sweet to one another at the same time? Yeah, we'll dream on. It usually doesn't happen that way. Not everybody whose marriage are falling apart, not everybody just wakes up one day And they both have this wonderful desire to be different. Usually it's one person. I'm just being realistic with you. Usually it's one person. But I want to encourage you. One person can make a difference. Why? Because you overcome evil with good. You bless those who curse you. You do good to those who are not good to you and in doing so and I love that phrase you heap colds of shame on them what's going on it means let's say when you ask your husband to take out the trash <laughs> let's say they don't respond well And instead of coming in there and saying, oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry that I forgot all about you and I'm so sorry. Let's just say, "Okay, I'll take care of that later. And they're totally selfish. Love them anyway. And pray. Somebody has to stand in the gap and begin turning the ship around. Somebody, husband or wife. Somebody in the relationship has got to say, I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to love them unconditionally, even even if they're not the same way back to me, and then pray and believe God. So many times, those righteous, godly actions and attitudes Kindness has a way of melting hardened hearts. So don't underestimate how powerful your kindness can be in changing their hearts. And don't, because, you know, what happens normally, unfortunately, what happens is that you two people, they're struggling, their marriages are falling apart, they're both mean to one another, they're both uh, selfish, they both want what they want. And they both have this attitude that, well, when he changes, then I'll change. When he gets his act together, then I'll get my act together. When he's nice to me, then I'm going to be nice to him. It doesn't work that way. One person is going to have to step out there in the gap and be kind and be gentle. Somebody's going to have to do that because... The truth is, if you don't change your marriage, your relationship, it's not going to change. And that leads us back to the last thing that I see in this passage, and that is give up on always being in the right. Give up on always having to be right. Let's look at the next passage because it now teaches us about Jesus. And his attitude. Let's pick up at verse 5. All the way down to verse 8. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The key that I see there is in verse 7, it says, instead, he gave up. He gave up his divine privileges. He was king of kings and lord of lords. And he gave that up so that you could have a new life. And in the same way, we're going to have to give up being right so our relationships can be better. You will never change or mend a relationship until you are willing to give up. If you just hang on and say, I'm right, and I think I'm right, so I'm not changing, then your marriage will slowly but surely destruct. That relationship, and this can happen between father and children, especially adult children, I see a lot of estranged relationships where uh, the mother and the father are strained or estranged from their children, grown-up children. And they both kind of get in their corner and they both believe they're right over some silly issue. And sometimes they stay apart from one another for years. Years. And I just want to say, you've got to give up. Give up having to be right. Give up having to have the other person to apologize. It's not worth it. God desires marriages, relationships to be healed. We have a a couple in our church. We asked them because we knew personally the life and the testimony. And we've seen this testimony lived out the last few years. And so we asked them if they would share their testimony. And so we would like you to see that testimony right now. The Lights down, show the testimony.
1: I did not respect him as a husband as a father, and he knew it. We met and got married when we were fairly young. We had three little boys within five years. All three were preemies with extended hospital stays. So that added some stress to the marriage because I felt all three times just So alone.
2: Well, I was very selfish, self centered. That was all about making me happy. It was, it was, I had three kids and a wife. I had two full time jobs that took up, obviously, a lot of my time. But my time off, instead of being a father and a husband, I thought just being a provider was enough.
1: I basically had to be mom and dad. So I just got used to being in charge I
2: play golf I you know any spare moment I had I was doing something I wanted to do instead of spending it with my family
1: my kids and I we vacationed without him basically did everything a single parent household would do honestly I don't really think he wanted to be involved <laughs> at all so it wasn't very difficult for me to just do it by myself but not very long after our third son was born is when our marriage got extremely... Rocky. Some mistakes were made, became a huge turning point in our marriage.
2: When our marriage hit the rocks about four and a half years ago, I remember God taking me to my knees. I remember praying to him and...
1: We had to decide. Whether or not this marriage was something we wanted to fight for walk
2: away from. I remember being on my knees. I remember God saying, you want to be married? You want this life? I said, yes. And he said, it's going to take some changing. You're going to have to change. So I knew I'd have to have an open heart and an open mind. But I was willing to do it because I wanted to save my marriage. I was willing to do whatever it took. Our marriage hit rock bottom. And we sat down and we knew we had to make some drastic changes in our marriage for it to survive. One Sunday, we went to a Living Word for the first time. It was the Sunday when Pastor Rene was speaking about a carpenter taking this piece of wood. And I remember Pastor Renee telling that carpenter that he wanted that piece of wood turned into the guitar. And I remember at the, the end of the service, I remember the lights coming down and the guy coming out playing Amazing Grace on that guitar. And I remember just crying my eyes out and it just it just hit me and I felt a comfort, uh, like we've never felt before. I knew things were about to get better.
1: I just remember sitting through the service, praying, God, please, our marriage desperately needs you to change both of us. From that moment on, we both just decided, okay, we're gonna let the past be in the past. We're gonna forgive, we're gonna surrender, we're gonna serve, we're gonna do whatever it is that you want us to do to make our marriage better. Over these past four and a half years, we've taken everything that we've learned and we've applied it to our lives and we put God at the center.
2: And Our church family has played a vital role in our success of our marriage to this point. Having couples that go through similar situations, just when you need something, to know that you can call someone and they're going to give the best answer, a biblical answer. Anna, answer that's good for your marriage.
1: Our family dynamic is completely different. I don't, I don't fight for the role of leader anymore. God didn't give that role to me, so I've completely um, taken a step back. My husband is the leader of our home. He's a great father. Now he is very involved. He um, puts our needs before his own.
2: We are. Our priorities are so different, and and to me, that's one of the biggest things in our marriage. You know, my mindset is just so different now. It's truly about my wife and my kids. It's just a miracle. It's it's a miracle to where we were, and the rock bottom we were, um, to see us now. It's our marriage is full of life.
1: We want our marriage to be a direct reflection of God's love for us. So when people look at us and they look at our marriage, we want them.
2: To see God, we hear a lot about the way Jesus loved His church and how we're supposed to love our wives. And that's one thing I looked at is how I was treating my wife. I wasn't respecting her like I, I, I should have. The more I get into the Word and seeing the way Jesus led her as an example, how He loved the church, it's opened my eyes to the way she should be treated. And um, I take that role very seriously now. I want to treat my wife like
0: Jesus treats the church. Hallelujah. Marriages, relationships are intended to be good. This morning, as I was praying, I saw a chest. A beautiful chest. And that chest was wrapped in chains. Lord, what is that? He said, That chest contains the joy, the pleasures, the wonderful things that God intended for relationships. But the enemy, he wraps that thing up with chains, bondage, anger, bitterness, resentment. And we become bound in that relationship. We have to ask Jesus to break those chains, and then that chest is open, and you enjoy. Really, what God intended—it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be great. But you have to be willing to ask Jesus to break the chains, and then follow His principles that we talked about. You know, in Robbie and Tanya's testimony they exemplified all the principles that I talked about. They made that decision. One of the prime decisions was on the husband's part on Robbie's part. And I want to say this, that it wasn't just employing principles, but the church, the local church becomes a vital part of a dramatic change in your life. And it's not just, it didn't just say, I believe we're going to come to church one time a week and then see a change. No, they fully jumped in. Robbie was involved in everything he could get involved in and she was involved in everything she could involved in women women's ministry and whatever she could do and they were both served and they they got in there and that helped them to be able to have a connection and they got their kids involved and I just want to say to you that that's his plan the church needs to be a vital part That's what we want to do. We want to be a blessing to help marriages do well. I believe that many, there are many good marriages in this church. Strong marriages. And I just want to say I commend you. I bless you. I thank God for so many strong, godly marriages and relationships in this church. But we also have some that are hurting also have some that are struggling and it is the heart of our heavenly father that that those chains would be broken and that you would begin to walk in that relationship where we would begin to be interested in the needs and interest of the other person That we would begin to change our thinking by learning to listen what the needs really are. And that we would begin to invest in that other person. And we would begin to give up our ways. Had someone call me this week and described how the whole life was messed up done all sorts of crazy things and said do you have something where they, this person could just attend one Bible study during the week and that's all and that would kind of like fix it I want to say it doesn't work that way you see You can't expect change if if you're not willing to give God everything. You give it all to Him. Here's my life. I don't hold anything back. Take my life, Lord. Do whatever you would with me. Change me. Mold me. Renew me. Strengthen me. Change my heart. Help me to give up. Can't expect change if you're not willing to fully commit to Him. You know, last week, Brother Ben challenged parents who were believing God for their children to come back to the Lord. This morning, I want to challenge you to make the decision to let God mend broken relationships. you've got a good relationship God wants to make it better if your life and your marriage is falling apart he wants to mend that relationship and if you're here this morning and you're single you're not married I encourage you think seriously about employing these principles in every area of your life and God will then prepare you for that relationship because these are principles that apply to every relationship and they help prepare you for that person that God has for you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Lord I pray for every individual here I pray for every person every marriage every home every relationship Lord I believe it is your heart this morning to mend broken relationships there's some relationships between grown children and their parents that need to be mended there are relationships of marriage that need to be mended their relationship between you and your heavenly father that need to be mended some of you need to come back and restore your relationship with jesus you knew him you walked with him at a time earlier but you walked away and began to do your own thing and found yourself living a life that you're ashamed of and today god he wants to welcome you back And restore that relationship that you have with Him. Because all of these relationships, they all begin by having a right relationship with Him through Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for the Spirit of the living God this morning fall fresh on us. Speak to hearts all over this room. If you're here this morning, You would be willing to say, Lord, I want you to work on my relationships, maybe with my wife, maybe with my husband. But you would be willing to say, Lord, we need your help. We need you to change our hearts. I'm going to ask you to make your way down to the front, husband and wife, if they're here your husband or your wife is not here and you need God to mend that, I'm going to ask you to make your way down here. Stand in for that person. Make your way right now. If you want God to mend relationships in your life, I want to invite you to come this morning. You say, well, I I don't want anybody to know that we're struggling. Well, forget about what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter. They don't have to live your life. They have their own problems. Quit worrying about somebody else. Let's believe God this morning for God to restore our relationships. For God to mend our relationship. For us to begin to think about the other person. It's time for us to cry out to God and say, God, I want to do this your way. I want to do it your way, Lord, not my way. Some men here this morning, that your wife is not here, and the reason they're not here is because you've messed up the family. God wants you to repent today and Come back to him so and let him heal that relationship, even though you may think it's impossible God can do it. I'm gonna ask the whole congregation as you're considering coming down. I'm gonna ask we would sing this. Come to the altar. Let's sing it before the the
3: Lord. The Father's arms are full. i oh.
0: ask you to pray out loud if you didn't come to the front but you want to pray out loud with us in agreement I encourage you to do so let's pray let's ask God to mend our heart to mend the relationships in our life if you would just as an act of surrender I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands maybe you've never raised your hands before in your life it won't hurt you I guarantee you Lord we just raise our hands before you let's pray heavenly father In the name of Jesus, change my heart, Lord. Mend my heart. Mend my relationship. Help me be who I need to be. Help me to think about the other person. And not just myself. Lord, change my heart. Heal my heart, Lord. In the name of Jesus restore me lord restore my marriage restore my home restore my family lord we cry out to you lord break every chain that is binding that marriage that binds that relationship break that chain lord in the name of jesus thank you lord setting me free thank you lord Give us forgiveness and kindness. Help us put away the past and not hold it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, if your husband or your wife is down here, give them a good kiss. It's okay. It's legal. Pastor said it was okay. Yeah, it's all right. If you're embarrassed, that's okay. Amen. I love you. We'll finish up this series next Sunday morning. I love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Oh, come to
3: the altar.